she messages me on Facebook says, I know you do all this work for us, but I didn't know you do comedy. And in my mind, it's like, well, I didn't know either. It just (laughs) sort of happened. Look into his eyes. They're the eyes of a man obsessed by success. Eyes that mock our sacred institutions. Bedroom eyes, they call them in a bygone day. Sex desire is the most powerful of human desires. When driven by this desire, men develop keenness of imagination, courage, willpower, persistence, and creative ability unknown to them at other times. So strong and impelling is this desire for sexual contact that men freely run the risk of life and reputation to indulge in. When harnessed and redirected along other lines, this motivating force maintains all of its attributes of keenness of imagination, courage, etc., which may be used as powerful creative forces in literature, art, or in any other profession or calling, including, of course, the accumulation of riches. Napoleon Hill. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlock, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I have my most amazing guest, Keith. Keith, thank you so much for being here with us today. Hello. <laughs> he waves at the camera. He's like, dude, it's a podcast. You got to <laughs> say stuff. Hello. <laughs> awesome. So give us a 5,000 foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Uh, my name is Keith Nahaney. I'm a First Nations comedian in North Vancouver, BC, and I have run Bubba's Comedy Show. Awesome. And I am so glad that I am here with you today because I like to... You know, my ego kicks in and I go, I'm a friend of Keith. Yeah. <laughs> I met Keith 10 years ago. I haven't talked to you since. But you're also one of those kind of awesome personalities where you feel like you get to know you immediately, like I've known you all my life. And if I haven't seen you in 10 years, it's still, hey, <laughs> let's connect. You're awesome. And you're just right there, full present and awesome. So thank you so much for doing this and being here today with us because I'm so stoked about what you're up to. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to talk to you again. Uh, we had a lot of fun back in the day in training and really honored to be on here and talk about comedy. Awesome. So let's go into the comedy directly. How did you get into comedy per se? Uh, my brother introduced <laughs> me to Robin Williams back in the 80s. And right. I... I just loved him. I was laughing. I was only 13, 14 years old, and I was laughing. I've watched comedy since then. Uh, getting into the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, my friends are saying, you should go do open mic. You should go do open mic. You're so funny. I'm like, whatever. I'm just being a goofball with you guys. Um, about 2012, I s- actually, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Sean, uh, when I was in training in Edmonton, he said, dude, you should get into comedy. You're super funny. And he's a comedian. And so he planted the seed. And I thought about it. A couple of years went by. On the reserve here in North Vancouver, uh, we had from January to September, we had about 40 deaths in our nation. And so I started talking to my wife, Bernie, who's also um, my business partner with Um, producing shows here Um, and we decided to put a show on to help bring laughter into the community 
and oh, um, we had no idea what to do. So we just contacted our gym on the reserve and said, hey, we want to put a comedy show on. And then someone said, oh, well, you need to serve it right. And she got her serve it right. And so she's on the producing side. She does probably 90% of the work. And nice. I do the other 10%, which is just getting up on stage. But we produced the show first. I, I wasn't even on stage. It went well. And then the second show, about six months later, my MC couldn't make it. So my wife said, well, you've been talking about wanting to try it. So you're going to do it. So I MC'd the second show. And from there, it really snowballed. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many places that I could take this because I was gobsmacked when you said that there were so many deaths on, like, that's a lot in a short period of time. That yeah. is painful. Yeah. Like, not only for whatever they were going through to make that happen, but then for everybody else that's dealing with the aftermath. Yeah. That had to have been horrific. Yeah. It was uh, pretty bad. A lot, lot of elders passing away. Uh, accidents and there was I believe that year there was about two or three suicides Aww. and suicides aren't that common here on our reserve we're, we're just on outside of Vancouver City mm -hmm. um, but that year so, there's about three in in a small in a short time span of time right so yeah wow so you must have been like to put on a comedy show after that, I can appreciate the need for it. And I can also appreciate the laughter is one of the best medicines. I can also appreciate that you're walking on pretty thin eggshells trying to say, hey, I'm not trying to make light of this, but like, how did you navigate that? Uh, I threw my friend Hightam as MC. <laughs> He's never MC'd anything before. <laughs> you blindsided one of your friends. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly um and then he ended up emceeing our wedding when my wife and i got married but um he's he's outgoing he's um they call him a blindian he's black and native um so he's outgoing uh he just i gave him the names i said talk about whatever you want to talk about and she was my wife was taking care of the um open bar and I was making sure the comics were ready. The comics were there, making sure there's no hecklers, watching the front door. And I just went around and just told everyone, you know, there's there's going to be some comedy coming up. You should come check it out. Uh, we, we've even had, we had a police officer on our first show, a uh, sex educator. She's not a comedian, but she is funny and she took <laughs> her work. She had a four foot uh, vagina and penis and she talked about them and just made it super fun. Oh, that's and, awesome. um, we just broke even. <laughs> <laughs> we had about 85 people, but to wow. rent the venue, uh, my wife works for insurance mm -hmm. and she said, we're not doing this show without insurance. So we mm -hmm. had to pay for insurance. So we just literally broke even. Wow. That, that is good for you. Congratulations. I know how much work and effort it is to put on an event of any size, let alone to have that many speakers coming in. Like you're herding cats <laughs> to yeah. get them to all show up at the same time, know where they're going, all that kind of fun stuff. That is awesome. So when you started emceeing the event, what was that like for you? Was it kind of slightly terrifying, extremely exhilarating, somewhere in between? 
both it was in it was in between because before i did stand-up comedy i don't know if you know this from back in the day i was a church license holder for our indian church here on the reserve and i married baptized and did funerals so wow. i i had experience of um speaking in front of people so that was okay um and then just trying to come up with my own jokes right because it's a it's totally different skill set being the class clown and getting everybody's attention to all of a sudden being in the front of the room and getting everybody's attention i've seen a lot of class clowns look like deer in the headlight when i pull them up <laughs> to the front of the stage like oh i wasn't expecting this <laughs> people that paid for you to make them laugh you know that's <laughs> even more pressure right yeah it's like come on funny man make them laugh <laughs> yeah and, and right from there um i've had um a lot of support friends volunteer and to take care of the door um friends uh volunteer and because the gymnasium can hold i think 350 people nice so um we had to have security and we do have some volunteers on the reserve we call them peacekeepers nice. and they patrol the reserves and uh work with the rcmp here so we had I think one or two of the peacekeepers there just to help out and they volunteered. So I couldn't have done it without them. <laughs> Aw, and that's awesome. That's so sweet. Cool. So since then, things have bubbled and exploded and you are all over the place. I have seen your Facebook just explode and it's like, oh, I'm doing this show, I'm doing that show, and then we're there. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's really great. Um, I do have a full-time job and I do have my holidays. So if I need to travel, my manager knows I do comedy and I'll, I give him the dates that I need, whether it's a half a day or a full day. Um, he's pretty flexible on that. And then I just go all over. I even went to Lillooet, which is about a two and a half hour drive from here. Yeah. Because from that reserve, this lady wanted to try comedy she's never done comedy and the bonehead i am i said well rent a venue and i'll come up and we'll do a show and we'll pop your comedy cherry and <laughs> and go from there and uh I, i've been up there three times now nice shows with her and um it's fun every time we go up whether it's fun at the comedy show or the adventure of going or coming from there is just <laughs> hilarious with some of the other comics um yeah and after the first show went well six months later we did the second show we called the first one dirty work second one was dirty work two mixed nuts because there was a variety of um races and and that not just natives and then and that was in may of 2015 and i didn't do any comedy and then in november i my lost a nephew in victoria and so i had to go to the funeral catch the ferry over to vancouver island and i was looking on facebook and some of the guys that were on dirty work too were doing a comedy tour on the vancouver island and they were in Duncan, which is probably about an hour's drive from Victoria. So I messaged him and said, hey, you're doing comedy in Duncan? He said, yeah. I said, oh, well, I'll come up and check out your show. So we went up there and um, 
checked out his show. He was doing two shows, eight and 10 o'clock. I watched the first show and I was talking to him after the first show. And he says, oh, what do you, are you going to stay for the second show? I said, well, there's nothing else to do. Everything closed at six o'clock here in this little <laughs> town. Um, he goes, okay, you got the first 10 minutes. I was like, what? And I only been on stage once. And, and I, he goes, do you want to? And I looked over and my wife's going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, can I use my phone? Because my phone's on, my jokes are on my phone. And he's like, yeah, whatever, man. So I did the set. Uh, we left the show, went and got a room, went to sleep. First thing in the morning, he calls me, says, we're going to Victoria to do another show. You want to do another 10 minutes? I was like, yeah, sure, right on. So we go down there, do that show. And another comic on that show says, hey, I'm doing a show on Tuesday in Vancouver. You want to be on? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So just being in Victoria for a sad uh, celebration, um, I got three shows. And, That's awesome. And I do other work for other reserves. Um, I do workshops. And the one that was hiring me up in the Pemberton Valley, just past Whistler, she messages me on Facebook, says, I know you do all this work for us, but I didn't know you do comedy. And in my mind, it's like, well, I didn't know either. It just <laughs> sort just of happened. happened. <laughs> and she says, um, well, in two weeks, we're having our Christmas staff party. Can you do an hour and a half show? I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> uh, I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> She's like, how much? And I threw her a price and she said, okay. I was like, so I called up those guys that were doing the tour. I said, hey, I'll pay you guys this much and I'll pay for your room if you come up past Whistler and do 20 minutes each for me. What? Just because you can come up with 27 times more content. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and um, the, the first three, two shows I did, I called them Dirty Work. But as it was going out of my community, my wife said, we need to make the show more about you, you know, who you are. And my nickname is Bubba's. And I drank out of a bottle until I was three, three and a half. And I called it my Bubba's. Most, most kids call him Bubba, but I was calling it Bubba's. And my dad's brother, Scott, started calling me Bubba's. So that's how the Bubba's comedy show got its name so my wife said well let's call it Bubba's comedy show and I've also um, I, I took a little bit from Carrot Top and from Giggle Dam uh, theater here in Port Coquitlam and they're actually interactive games with audiences so I took some games and I, I put that in my Bubba's comedy show fun because most shows here are the name comedy and that's mm -hmm. stand-up but i put comedy show because it's just not stand-up comedy it's actually an interactive game in there mm -hmm. that brings the audience members and i give them my my most popular prize i go to a store here and i buy um after sex towel <laughs> and so the winner will get an after sex towel and i always tell them you don't have to use your shirt anymore <laughs> And they have this this towel that says after sex towel. So I'll give them that for for winning and the others just 
walk off the stage with <laughs> tail between the legs yeah. hoping nobody remembers what happened yeah so and then they That's are awesome. um one game involves um oven mitts a wooden dowel and a condom <laughs> and i actually learned that from bc disease control center because they use a banana and they get these youth to put the condom on with oven mitts Oh, hilarious. So I found a styrofoam and I drilled three holes in there and then I put the dowels in there and I have three contestants that come up. The other one is using a casino chip and a mason jar. And we put the mason jar about five feet in front of them. They got to put the casino chip between their cheek butt cheeks <laughs> and they got to walk it over and try to drop Don't it in. So those... I'll use one or both of those games in my shows, Bubba's comedy show. And um, it was a hit. So Right? That's awesome. Yeah. So how brave were you the first time going, like, this could either be absolutely hilarious or it could be just a disaster on wheels. How worried were you that it was going to somehow bust? How worried was I? Well, when I do culture stuff, you know, I, I have a regalia and I'm, I'm told by my dad that I have to make sure I have everything. Mm -hmm. Check it before I leave the house, get there, put it together, make sure everything's going to stay. Well, I didn't do that with my, <laughs> with my equipment. I have my own speakers. I have my own uh, mixing board and, and a mic. Mm -hmm. And I left the cord of the mixer board oh. on my couch and I'm about three hours away from my house oh. and I'm freaking out yeah. what am I gonna do one of the cooks at this venue walking by and he's like hey you okay because you could see like I'm just ah and um I said I, I left a cord that I need and he looks at it and he goes I think we have one of those so we went downstairs and it the same cord from a photocopy machine wow so, <laughs> so i used that and i was like dude Thank you God. saved my life and everything went so awesome. now i make sure everything <laughs> is in the bag right because i think when i when i was putting it all together i think i threw my jacket over the cord so when i was getting everything into the van just was, grab your coat and forget yeah. everything and it's under it oh yeah. i can't tell you how many times we've done that <sighs> yes because we used to do local um workshops and training too so we had all of our equipment because it just made sense to buy all of our equipment or you could rent it at half the price or you could just buy it and use it three times and it was better so yeah we had all of our equipment we had a van that showed <laughs> Like, wow. oh my god that's a lot of shite yeah. i can't imagine but i also know from public speaking that uh well and doing workshops that as soon as you leave the the content to the audience it's like hey anybody have any questions comments and concerns you are leaving that up to chance as to what comes back like anything can come back and it's got to be the same on a comedy show you're not just delivering lines that you know work that always get a laugh like you're opening yourself up to some serious vulnerability because that's like having hecklers all on stage. <laughs> like, yeah. let's, let's see how you, funny you guys are now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it gets interesting. The first, um, I mean, it's been actually May 2nd, 
just this May 2nd was the seven years ago. First time I was actually on stage. Wow. Congratulations. Thanks. So the first, uh, we still did shows on Zoom uh, during the pandemic, which really sucked. Um, (laughs) For you and them. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they would close their cameras. Mm. They would turn their cameras off. So it's like talking to the wife. I mean, the wall, you know, and. and, (laughs) That's zero feedback. Awful. <laughs> it is. It, it's uh, one or two of them will leave their cameras on, and but oh. um, it's it's. I'm. I just kept kept my script. Right. Um, I had to use my cheat sheet, um, on the jokes, and it wasn't until just before the pandemic where, I could start interacting with the audience, where I wouldn't get lost anymore, <laughs> you know, and. <laughs> And uh, it's starting to pay off because this May 8th, I'm filming my first TV special. Yay! That's yeah. awesome! Congratulations! Thanks. And, and I don't want to use my cheat sheets. So <laughs> right. every day I'm going over my jokes, you know, e- even just the one word, mm-hmm. you know, um, restrictions, yep. lockdown, um going to be 50 nutritionist so i just go see those words in my mind and i know what the joke is yep. um i have to do 25 to 30 minutes and um i've been just going crazy over it and i'm getting a lot of support from the comedy shows here in vancouver nice a lot of them are saying hey congratulations i heard you're doing uh, here if you're not headliner, you get anywhere from five to eight minutes, 10 if you're lucky. Um, but a lot of these comedy shows have been saying, hey, I'll give you 10 minutes. Nine. I'll give you 15 minutes. I went to Abbotsford, which is about an hour from here. And he said, I, I just did it last week. And he said, do your whole show to practice. I'll give you a half an hour. And I was like, dude. That is so amazing. Awesome. And uh, yeah, just um, getting a lot of support. Right a on. Support, yeah. And, and some of the headliners, even here in Vancouver that travel Canada <clears throat> and down the States, are like, um, I've, I've been following Damon Schwitter for about, probably about 10 years. And I did my first show with him last fall. And when the show first show finished, we we're doing two shows together. And the first show finished, he came up and he says, Hey, um, Damon, and uh, I, I just seen your set, and wow, that's pretty amazing, pretty ballsy because of my content. <laughs> right. And and I said, Oh, I said, I'm Keith Nahaney. I said, Oh, um, I've been following you. I go to Yuck Yucks all the time. And he says, you sit in the corner right by the stage. And I said, yeah. He goes, I kind of thought I recognized you. So he knew me as an audience member, but he didn't know I did comedy. And then should have just told him you were famous and he knew you from TV. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhere in the corner of your eye down here, you recognize. (laughs) Right. And then about a month later, I did another show and Dan Quinn, he's a famous Canadian comedian. And I was on the same show with him and we're both looking at the lineup at the same time and he's i said oh i said oh there's me i said i'm keith nahaney he goes oh i'm dan i said yeah i've watched your special a couple times he goes 
you say Keith Nahaney? And I said, yeah. He goes, Damon just told me about you. I said, no way. I was like really excited inside. And, oh, man, it was just. Right? It's been taken off, yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, because when, when comedians recognize the comedy of it, it's like, that, that's a level up. Yeah, and, and even some of the jokes that I have, another comic will come up and, and say, try this instead or add this to it. And and then I'll I'll try it. And if it works, I'll keep it. If not, I'll try it a couple more times a different way. Mm-hmm. But it, it's pretty, pretty good um, when, when you have a lot of people um, that are um, supportive with each other. There mm-hmm. are some that are... Um, competitors you know I'm, I'm not here to compete against anyone i'm just here doing what i love doing mm-hmm. um, but there there are a lot of ones that do a lot of support nice yeah love that just take the naysayers and go hey you want to do a laugh off <laughs> <laughs> yeah. kick your ass yeah. <laughs> class clown um <laughs> fight in the back <laughs> at lunch hour that's hilarious i I just can't imagine people being competitive in the field of comedy it's like do you know what you do for a living yeah yeah Uh, and it's it's i had to get into the dark side of comedy the dark side of um I, i was getting gigs but my stuff was wasn't rated r but it was it was between rated R and PG. Mm-hmm. I don't know what if there's a, a a rate there, but um, when the Kamloops Residential School found the four, 214 unmarked graves, mm-hmm. and it was just all over the news, I actually woke up thinking of a joke about um, the church. And I grew up Catholic and and then I was the license holder for my church for eight years. And one of the comedy shows in Vancouver that's pretty big uh, used to be called Brossom Comedy. Now she's called um, Comedy After Dark. And she said, well, I have this open on a Friday. Would you like to come and do do a set? And I thought Fridays are Friday and Saturdays are the big guys, They're right? Big, big comics. I'm like, oh crap, this is a test, isn't it? <laughs> I know this is a test. So the the ones I've been thinking about regarding the church and and the reserves, those were the debuts, <laughs> <laughs> and it just killed. It was awesome, and nice. I came off the stage, and people were high-fiving me, and she was at the end, and she had her arms out. She hugged me, and she said, she said, um, when you get home for next month, I want you to give me all the days you're available, and I'll book you on some shows. I said, every day I'm available because I don't have any shows <laughs> right now. And um, so it, it was the darker humor mm-hmm. that brought me up to the other level nice. and um well and i think it takes a certain skill set well i know it takes a certain skill set to be able to get into that dark humor and to to actually find the humor in it and not just make fun of it 
Like there's a huge difference to me to making fun of a situation that everybody makes fun of. It's like, yeah, that's not really comedy. But when you can find the humor in dark and heavy matters, to me, that's, I don't know if it's a personality that, and I think even I both have it, that at one point in our childhood, something snapped in our brain. <laughs> it just weren't right anymore. And to me, it's, it's this fantastic gift of being able to take something that is heavy and it is sad and it is like horrific, mm. but there's this element of something, something going on that, you know, you just got to go, you know, if there's a God, he's got a sense of humor because that's funny. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I've been using these uh, church jokes for about a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And I've only had one person get really mad. <laughs> and, and it was a lady that was a church goer. And I was like, well, you're at a comedy show. Right. And, 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 um, well, and I never met a good Irishman that didn't know how to laugh at the church or, or being yeah. Irish or otherwise. Like, it, this has been going on for centuries, people. This is not new. Yeah, exactly. And and all I said to her is like, oh, you got offended? And she said, yeah. And I said, are you a church goer? And she said, yeah. I said, well, suck it up because we had to. You know? <laughs> and everyone just cheered on that. And she got even more mad. And I'm like, sorry, I'm... that was my no filter, you know. Um, I get in trouble with my wife sometimes. Some things just come out, and I'm like, I didn't think of that. It just came out. <laughs> I always say Nahanis don't have any filters in their head. Um, but it's, I also, so I run Bubba's comedy show. Mm-hmm. I also run Granny's Corner comedy out in our backyard. This will be our fifth summer, and each year it gets bigger and bigger. And we did get to run it 2020 because it was outdoors, well ventilated. Nice. And, and on the reserve, we do have a safety officer. So I was told, well, you better check with her to see if it's okay to run your comedy shows. And she said, as long as they're six feet apart, you're outdoors, well ventilated, um, it should be fine. She said, Take, um, tell me how big your yard is. So I measured it, told her, she said, 30 people. I said, okay. And then I also run, can't we all just get along? Nice. And no comedy show has ever produced this show because it is a racist show. So I'll have a native comic, I'll MC it, I'll have a native comic, a black comic, a white, a Chinese, whoever I can find. And I try not to have, you know, two Chinese or whatever, try not to. Um, And you were mentioning, you know, you can say anything, but it doesn't mean it's funny. Mm -hmm. Well, when I talk with these comics, I say they can't be degrading. They have to be actually funny. No, um, just slamming them. For the sake of slamming them, that's totally different. That's that's just not funny. That's easy to do. Mm. But it's it's a little harder to actually make it funny. Right. And um, we have a river here called the Fraser River. Mm-hmm. And on one side is Richmond. Mm-hmm. And on the other side is Surrey. So Surrey is well known for East Indians. And Richmond is known for the Asian Chinese. And one of my Chinese friends 
told me the joke and he said, what do you call the border between China and India? And I said, I don't know. He said, Fraser River, because our China is Richmond. And, and so, you know, stuff like that. Um, we have water restrictions here in Vancouver in the summer because it gets so dry now. Mm-hmm. And I say we wouldn't have a water restriction if the Chinese restaurants would turn their taps off in the kitchen because they continuously run their taps to wash their dishes. So, you know, the jokes like that, uh, natives, um, you know, on every reserve, there's that one couple where they go out, split up, get back together, split up, get back together, split up, get back together. So really on the reserve, you don't break up, you just lose your turn. (laughs) You know, so, so on this show, the racist show, every, everyone says you can get away with it because it's on reserve and you're a native. You know, one of my white friends said, I wouldn't be able to get away with that show. I would be canceled. Um, but that's why it's a private show. (laughs) There's a catch to it. We're all on stage together. Mm. I talk about racism. Everyone's racist to one level or another. Everyone is. Even if it's just a joke, there's a little bit of racist there. But we're all on the stage and you get up and you make fun of all the races except your own. And once we're done, they go off stage. I do. I also do music trivia on my Bubba's comedy shows. And my brother is a music fanatic. Everything from the 50s to the 90s, he knows about music, rock music. So music master Mark, he's been on 23 of my shows, or he's been on eight of my shows, went up against 23 people. He only lost once. Wow. So we'll do that. And then once he's done, we bring the comics back up. They do another five to seven minute set, but they only can make fun of their own. So that's what I call the balance. <laughs> the, so you, the, so the great how, equalizer. <laughs> yeah. So, so you have to make fun of your own. And that's where um, I make fun of natives. And yeah, we're on our third show. And people that did come to the show, we just had it February 19th. I think it was February 19th. We had it. People that came to the show and the comics. One is, uh, can't we all just get along for coming out? I was like, I don't know. I do this maybe once a year. (laughs) I feel like it. It's a major event. (laughs) You know, off the top of my head, I gather some friends in the backyard. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, it's a blast. It's, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. So I know people are going to want more from you. So I assume you have like a website with events and stuff that's going on or where do people find out about what you got going on and where they can see you? Yeah, I do have a website. It's bubbascomedyshow.com. It has uh, pictures of comics I've performed with. People we uh, don't know. Merchandise. (laughs) Yeah. Merchandise. And uh, I sell t-shirts, Bubba's Comedy um caps that says res university i i usually do a aboriginal day show called res university and it's just all native comics uh there's a 
you click on the tab shows and it has all the shows I'll be at the links of the venue, the links of the show itself. Um, I'm on Facebook, but was comedy on the Facebook. You have to answer certain questions to be in, in the group. Um, and then I just joined Instagram. So that's <laughs> another thing that one of the fellow comics is like, you gotta have Instagram. All the kids are on Instagram. It's like, okay. It's another thing I need to learn. I'm 50 <laughs> years old. I, I can't learn anything. You need some nephews or nieces or something. Just give that stuff to them. They're they're awesome at it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, uh website bubbascomedyshow.com, Facebook Bubba's Comedy, Instagram Bubba's Comedy. Awesome. Love yeah. it. We will find you. I gotta ask. So do you think it's easier to do your kind of humor on the reserves, or do you think it's easier to do that in Kind of what I'm going to call a public venue. Public venue, just by a slight. Yeah, why? Um, well, in in the backyard here, sometimes the jokes just don't go because they know it all. They know it already. <laughs> they've heard it already last year. <laughs> they've <Thursday. laughs> heard it. They they might have been part of it. <laughs> um, that that's one thing. My family and friends, if you're going to use one of our stories or something, don't use my name. <laughs> And seriously, they don't know you. <laughs> I, I have about 15 best friends and maybe three of them's come to my show. Aww. A lot of them won't come to my show because they think I'm going to roast them. They know us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and I roasted them on their wedding at their wedding reception. So, so they've heard all the jokes there too. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, it is, um, especially with the residential, jokes um i do get a lot of laughs mostly whoa's you know <laughs> you're not allowed to say it like yeah <laughs> and there's there's shows where it's in the name dark and dirty mm. so that's where i don't have to worry um i do look at the audience okay this is a young audience i'm not going to do residential i went and did them at a show and they're all young i said do you guys know what residential school is and they all said no. Yeah, and it's I'd hard like, to make a joke when you don't know what they're laughing at. Like, yeah, oh, so now I look at the audience. Okay, they're all young. I'm not doing the resident. They, they know. A, I also do APTN jokes, Aboriginal People's Television Network. Right. So they know the mainstream shows. I want those on APTN, then res style, and then I make, tell them how the show would be, and they'll laugh. So I can tell those jokes to a younger audience, you know, 19 and over, 19 to 25. They'll understand that, but they won't understand uh, res, um, residential school jokes and that. So I'm, I'm learning how to read the audience now, too. <laughs> well, yeah, and I assume as, as you grow in, and enter more international platforms, which I know you will, <laughs> <laughs> it, that that's inevitable because you are hilarious and i think it's just a matter of really finding out how or the things that we all relate to right we've all had deaths in the family we've all had people that go through shit and the more you can figure out what that universal shit is that we're all going through um and the more you can make people laugh through it i think that makes it for a more international show and it is a small world it is a small world. I went to Yuck Yucks here in Vancouver to a show and the lady was talking about her 
ex-boyfriend that um, Doug? <laughs> <laughs> if that's her talking about her ex-boyfriend that does uh, a well-known hockey player announcer imitation that you and I know and I said his name and she heard me and she goes how do you know him and I said I went to hypnosis training with him and she was mad that I knew him. Sorry. And I was like, it's a small world. <laughs> you gotta no. know somebody's gonna know Doug. I am like, you know, it's, a, yeah. it's inevitable. Yeah, so That's it funny. is a small world. Um, it's a lot of similar things. You know, I, I talked to a Chinese guy about, um, you know, English coming over here and how he spoke about them going over to China and conquering China and similar stories and that. So yeah, it's, it's, you just have to know what will work and what won't. Yep. And sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. <laughs> yeah. Well, that fell. <laughs> yeah. Next. Yeah. That's awesome. You have been absolutely fabulous. I love it. I could, of course, talk to you forever about this because one, I think it's hugely important that people learn to laugh, especially when it doesn't seem like there's anything to laugh about. That that's It's paramount, and I think it's a survival skill that the faster you can learn, the better, and the more you hang around comedians, <laughs> people with a twisted sense of humor, the easier it is to adopt. So I am highly um, proactive on the making comedy mainstream because uh, yeah. I think it's it's just fabulous. And as business unto itself, that's kind of funny too. So, <laughs> and, and I hope comedy becomes like the pandemic. I hope the restrictions are lifted because there's right. some shows where there are restrictions and an oh, audience wow. put restrictions. So hopefully that'll be lifted to just as much as the pandemic restrictions. <laughs> right. That was awesome. Actually, any last words for our peeps, Keith? Um, Go see Keith. Go see Keith, yeah. <laughs> Check out Bubba's comedy show. Laugh as much as you can. Laugh as much as you can. Look at the comedians that lived a long time because they laughed. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's the way I want to die. Die laughing. <laughs> awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec, your mistress in business. Thank you for being here with us today. And be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app so that we can help you get it up and keep it up. You need me because I love having you here. We'll see you next show. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Little Blue Pill for Business podcast with your mistress in business, Michelle Nedelec. Why are you still here? Go to littlebluepillforbusiness.com and get your goodies. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it with somebody else that you know would enjoy getting it up in business after you subscribe to the podcast, of course, so you won't miss any future episodes. Now, check the notes for links. Oh, and only tell your wife if she's into this, you know, entrepreneurship. And I'll see you both on the other side.